You are listening to Natural Born Alchemist. Welcome to episode number 247 of the Natural Born Alchemist podcast. My name is Alex and I'll be your host. In this episode, we could be talking about secrets. But instead, we are going to talk about the opposite. About not having secrets. About coming out. Not as gay. No. As a user of psychedelics. Or more specifically, as a user of plant medicines. But it might be hard to come out regarding that uh, in your society where you live because most people in most societies deem those who use psychedelics as people who are basically insane. So yeah, it's not easy to tell your wife, your mother, your friends, your boss that you use plant medicines. Imagine if you're a teacher and you tell the principal that, hey, I like to get down with some shrooms on the weekend. Uh, do you think you'll keep your job on Monday morning? Uh, and also, in many places of the world, in most places, it's also illegal. So um, there are a lot of issues regarding coming out. And in this episode, my guest is, yes, I have a guest for once, and in this episode, my guest is Dave Grillot, and he's one of the founders of the Thank You Plant Medicine Global Coming Out campaign that came to be after the World Ayahuasca Conference earlier this year in Spain, a conference I uh, recorded a few episodes at. So here's Dave. So thanks for being on the podcast. Alex, thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. So can you tell the listeners a bit about who you are and, and why you're here? Sure. My name is David Griot. I'm a Canadian living in Costa Rica. And I'm one of the founders of the Thank You Plant Medicine campaign. Um, so this is, this is a, an initiative that started the World Ayahuasca Conference. And um, the idea is to everyone come out with their story of how plant medicine has healed them on the same day, to come out publicly with it on social media in order to break the, the stigma around these medicines. So I'm not sure really where the story begins, um, but um, I'm, quite, I'm quite new to plant medicine, at least quite new to ayahuasca, which has been very revelatory for me. And um, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to do something positive for the world. Uh, and I think that raising awareness about how, how this can heal people is, a, is, an, important, is an important thing. And th this kind of started because myself, I hesitate to publish on Facebook about my experiences and how it has helped me, how it has healed me, because I, I'm afraid it, of how it would be seen with my, my, my colleagues, my friends, my family. And very much like 
the the gay pride movement, for example, I think that if everyone told the truth together, it can it can send a very powerful message, and uh, it can it can break the stigma, and it can lead to changes in legislation and um, a change in cultural mentality about what these things can do for you. Yeah, it's very similar to the gay pride thing. The only th- difference, I guess, is you could choose not to do it. <laughs> the psychedelics that uh, 20 years ago or th- 30 years ago, if you were a teacher and you came out gay, then parents don't want you teaching their children if you're gay. That's changed now. But, you know, if you come out and say you drink ayahuasca, maybe parents will say, well, you can't teach our children then. Yeah, absolutely. I see I see a lot of parallels um, I, I also see some parallels with the, the Me Too movement where, you know, a person alone doesn't, doesn't feel that they, that they have the strength to just reveal crazy things that happened to them that could be controversial and that could be threatening to certain people. And, and, but in solidarity, the Me Too movement was one of the most spectacular, beautiful, amazing things that that have happened on social media that I'm aware of and it it led to people in positions of power being being fired because of scandals and the United Nations bringing it up and legislation changing in certain places and and more importantly in that case it led to people just getting it off of their chests something that had been haunting them for years and you know sharing it is is how you can start healing from it and process it. it it's it's obviously not the, exactly the same as what we're doing, but um, I think that a lot of people come back from plant medicines experiences a little bit rattled because it's hard to reconcile the difference of what you've seen <laughs> in these other dimensions and then coming back into the regular life, into the routine. And so if you can't really talk about it with anyone, it I think you you have trouble kind of integrating the teachings and kind of integrating the lessons into your real life. So this this campaign can also be seen as a a large integration circle, a global integration circle of being able to start to talk about it basically. And also uh, one aspect is that um, I mean some people have to be quiet because it's illegal. Well, well yes, I mean certainly you have to be careful depending on where you live. But I would say that it was the same with, you know, gay people, right? And, you know, black people even at at a certain time in the United States where being out of line was illegal. But that's the beauty of this kind of movement is that when everyone marches together, there's a a strength in numbers and – Hopefully, it can change that the, the societal paradigm and and change the legal framework around it. Why did you pick uh, this date, the twentieth of February, twenty twenty? Well, it was on on uh, on a feeling that it uh, it lined up in a few different ways. So you know, the the ayahuasca conference was at the beginning of June, and we thought. We need some time to prepare this, to recruit volunteers, to reach out to celebrities and organizations, but we don't want it to be so far in the future that that no one gets excited about it. So 
eight months away seemed like a good middle middle way. And then, of course, two twenty twenty twenty. 2020 it has a nice ring to it. It has a 2 2 2 2, which is sums up to eight, which in it's the in China is the you know very lucky number, <laughs> according to my colleague John. And also, it's the first day of Envision Festival here in Costa Rica, which is um, a transformational festival where all day long there's talks about permaculture and leadership and sexuality and um, all different topics, actually. And then at night, it's a, it's a big party with uh, many of the top uh, electronic music and tribal DJs and stuff and and we're, 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 we're friends with the owners, so we thought that this can be a great way to celebrate the coming out. So what we're going to actually be doing is hosting a panel on February 20th from here in Costa Rica, interviewing indigenous leaders, the top scientists, top therapists, people like Dennis McKenna, and um, Basically, the leaders in, in these different fields and these different medicines and also leaders in conservation and have a well-rounded eight-hour live stream of interviewing all these different people. And hopefully, this will be anchored by a top podcaster like hopefully, uh, you know, someone like Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or someone of, of really that kind of global caliber. So we're, we're, we're trying to get that together. And, uh, and we're trying to sort out how our relationship with Envision Festival is going to be. But th that was why we chose the date. You should spam every comedian that Joe Rogan knows in, on Twitter or something. So it eventually gets to him because I'm sure his uh, feed is so crowded. You know, he, he won't see it or his email inbox. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a great suggestion. <laughs> So-called normal people or people who haven't... Who, who dislike drugs or who only like know about psychedelics superficially, they're only people they can think of that do psychedelics. The only famous cases really are like uh, the guy from Pink Floyd who went insane and Charles Manson who did some LSD. So it's good if, I mean, if we need like respectable businessmen and uh like people, doctors or people who have like a respectable position in society to say that they do it uh, in order for the average Joe to, oh, it's not only murderers and crazy hippie musicians. Yes, absolutely, Alex. This reminds me of, of how the Me Too movement started, which was the actress Alyssa Milano she came out with a story of, of abuse and she encouraged her following to also share their stories. And it caused a huge chain reaction. And within, within 24 hours, there were over, a, I think over 400,000 stories posted. And then within two days, it was up to 3 million. And that goes to show really the power that these, these people that have big followings and that are respected and, you know, or paid, paid attention to how much of an impact that they can have through social media. So that's absolutely going to be our strategy. And we've, we're, we're already in conversation with some, with some highly regarded, uh, doctors and scientists and starting to get connected with some celebrities. 
And uh, I'll tell you that we we have a a very beautiful uh, a pair of beautiful alliances that have recently ha- happened. One is that ICERS, which, as you know, organizes the World Ayahuasca Conference. They're this wonderful organization based in Spain that is dedicated to research and human rights and providing integration services for anyone who needs it. And also they have the Ayahuasca Defense Fund. And they, you know, they, if someone gets arrested for something with plant medicine anywhere in the world, they send, you know, a team of lawyers and they have like a 95% success rate. So anyways... ICERS decided to like partner up with us on this campaign and they're they're officially backing us they're helping us with the communication they're connecting us to lots of people and not only that but also this organization called One Heart which they are technology geniuses that you know these kind of like young guys that are retired because they've been so successful in Silicon Valley they lead retreats for top executives to experience ayahuasca for a week and have you know leadership and mindfulness and ayahuasca and team building and they've been doing this for a couple of years now and they like they have something like a 98% of people that attended say like it changed their life in a positive way and so these are these are the people that are leading major companies in the U.S. that are leading uh, in the media and just celebrities and successful people. And so One Heart is now working with us closely and they're they're advising us on a weekly basis and they're willing to connect us to a bunch of these people. So it's super exciting because I never before thought that I would have access to these kind of people, you know, but through the plant medicine, you know, those who have tried it, really feel a certain sense of community and a certain sense of we are all family, you know, there's no, there's no stratification or no colors. We, even every living thing, we are all a family. And so these people are just willing to help us. It's amazing. I, all, I was also at the conference in Spain. Did you watch the speech by Jeremy Norby? <laughs> Uh, no. So by a twist of ironic fate, I missed Jeremy Narby's speech because even though this was one of the speeches I most wanted to go to, because instead I wanted to catch Rick Doblin from maps up on the third floor, giving a a talk to a small group. And it was actually in that conversation that this idea came up because he was, he was talking about how the culture needs to change. And he was talking about the, the gay rights movement and the idea sparked in my mind and I suggested it to him and he loved it. And then some folks from Chacruna were there and from there it, it kind of, it kind of grew. So, 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 sorry, I got a little, uh, off topic there, but so ironically I missed it, but, but this is how the, the campaign was born. <laughs> I uh, recorded it. So if you scroll back, if, few episodes i can't remember which number but it's there if you want to listen to it but but anyway in that talk he focused heavily on the fact that uh, uh, the western world has been a vampire on the indigenous communities and like first it was gold then it was rubber now it's oil and now most recently it's ayahuasca so how will you 
will you uh, integrate somehow the indigenous culture and also the importance of protecting indigenous culture because without the indigenous cultures there would be no med- uh, medicine plants yeah alex absolutely this is such an important point you bring up um so we have we have a council of elders that are advising us on throughout this campaign so we're meeting with him this this weekend and and regularly one of them is um tabia who she she was at the conference and she was you know chosen to represent the voice of all the tribes that were there and she's the one that spoke you know on the last day so forcefully uh on behalf of everyone so she's she's supportive of this campaign she's advising us also a number of other super experienced shamans from Peru and also um, Colombia. So we're, 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 we want to include them in this campaign as much as possible. We want them to tell us how this should be done because we obviously we need to, we need to end this, this culture of exploitation and we need to work together with them. Now what I've heard from them and what I've read from the, you know, the these highly respected shamans is that they say that they want the medicine to be spread around the world, and that that um, it's 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 a universal thing. It's for everyone. But I know I. But also from talking to um, anthropologist uh, Bia Labachi, who's quite renowned in in the ayahuasca world, she says, you know. Be very careful how you generalize about uh, indigenous people or even to just say that there's an indigenous perspective is actually BS because every single tribe has its own perspective on it, its own cosmology. It's, you know, like it's completely different actually how different tribes all around Brazil, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, they, so you, you can't generalize and no one can speak on behalf of everyone. But I think the right way to do it is to try to include as many of them as possible into the the strategizing of the campaign. And then we're, we're also building a website which will explain the history, the use, the safety, uh, the legality of these different medicines. And we want them to be basically proofreading the website and helping us build it. And we want to include quotes from different indigenous leaders on on each page and we want to also have a a take action page where people can support different conservation causes indigenous causes like for example tabea she's starting a school uh for indigenous people to learn about shamanism and to kind of like educate young people into the shamanic path is is what i understand because a lot of young people in peru are not really interested in these traditional knowledge they're more interested in in the modern stuff so we want to we want to work with them and support them right and uh so we have to be we have to be sensitive and try to figure out how best to do that and of course it's not it's it's not a simple thing so I'm, and i'm open to any suggestions and we're we're totally we want to be as inclusive and open as and as sensitive as possible and also drive this community towards action after the coming out day, not just you come out and that's it, but rather build a community of people that want to 
actually take action to make this world a better place, to plant trees, to educate, to um, to expose the the culture, the spectacular cultures that that remain in in South America that have been almost um, extinguished by the by the colonization. One issue I had with Rick Doblin of Maps when I talked to him at that conference in Spain was that he said, uh, well, he wants to uh, make a uh, synthesized version of ayahuasca. uh, And uh, and there's also this kind of extraction from iboga, which is called ibogaine. But both ibogaine and, um, I mean, the, the, the biggest healing part of iboga is not the ibogaine as well as in ayahuasca the the thing that does the most healing is the ayahuasca not the chacruna dmt and uh, there are many uh, tribes in the amazon that use ayahuasca only no dmt just ayahuasca and then there are some that use uh, a bit of dmt but at the retreats there's more dmt in europe there's even more you know, like, so the Westerner is using more of the DMT, less of the actual uh, thing that heals the body. And uh, it's also, you know, like when you do ayahuasca, you might have a deep insight about your life. That comes often from the ayahuasca, not the Shakuna DMT, as far as I understand it, which is more about the visuals. So, uh, again, there's this thing about where you extract the... Uh, the thing is the trip and forget the rest and you lose the knowledge of the indigenous who use those plants maybe differently also the fact that uh, traditionally it was the shaman who drank not the patient yeah well this is this is a very tricky issue because people you know at least people in north america are very sick right like rampant depression um anxiety through the roof like materialistic lives that are you know that show low feeling of fulfillment and lack of community and um so there there's serious problems (laughs) happening in the west and in uh you know in the united states they're the ones doing the most damage to to the planet right with the emissions and the exploitation and everything. So I, I think these are the people that need the most help in a way. So I think Rick Doblin is onto something by trying to make, uh, the medicine more accessible to people, but it has to be done in the right way. And I, I always think of the, this, this metaphor, I'm, you've probably heard of it, of, you know, the, the ancient prophecy of the, eagle and the condor when when they fly together then you know there'll be peace on earth and you know the eagle representing the northern hemisphere the condor representing the southern hemisphere and in in this in this talk about making plant medicine more mainstream and more available i think there is an opportunity to kind of bridge that gap and bring together the uh, traditional shamanic ways with the the modern uh, the modern white man and and modern science and actually bring them together for mutual benefit. And um, 
this is this is a super tricky issue, and actually there was quite a, uh, a heated debate uh, in, in the room uh, there with Rick Doblin and with um, the founder of Temple of the Way of Light, you know, one of the main retreats retreat centers in Peru, one of the biggest ones anyway, and they were they were having this debate of of saying, uh, well, exactly what you just said, and what my friend John suggested on this, which I thought I thought was a, a, a wise suggestion, was perhaps in Peru they can develop some schools to train North Americans in the traditional ways. And just like in North America, how you might spend, you know, 10 years to become a surgeon or a doctor, 10 years of schooling, and that would be completely normal. Why not have these programs where people can learn the shamanic ways over a period of 10 years of study in Peru and then, and then bring that to the rest of the world in the right way? Because absolutely, like, the, I think the difference is whether you experience it in a community setting or whether you just pop in to get it, you know, your fix for yourself for one day and then you go back into your regular life. So in my own personal opinion, that's really the difference is that this is very much a community thing and the, the well-being of the community is correlated with the medicine and decisions about the community are made together with the medicine and it's just there there isn't that and i would say that there there isn't this feeling of community in in general in north america and this is something that needs to it needs to somehow be um harbored or uh what's the word like fed and we we need more community in our in our lifestyle one of the curanderos in the Amazon that I've sat in ceremony many times, he recently wrote out a biography of himself that got translated. And in it, he said that he it took him like seven, eight years to become a curandero. And the last year, he had to drink it every day for nine months. But compared to, I mean, there's many white people in the West who... Um, say they're shamans but they've like been to Peru maybe for a month or there's a lot of that going on which is also dangerous because I uh, I haven't done a, a lot of ayahuasca ceremony, ceremonies but I've done enough to know that uh, it uh, it's almost like I mean to facilitate an ayahuasca circle is if you don't know what you're doing, it's the same as driving drunk, you know, it's with a car full of people, you know, because it can be very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. And I've been in ceremonies where people around me has had total freakouts, and sometimes even I did. And uh, if there hadn't been like professionals there, uh, you know, I don't know what would have happened to those people's lives or minds. Yeah, Alex, I absolutely agree with that completely. And this is this is a major problem of people having a couple ceremonies and thinking that they have what it takes to be a shaman, and it's completely irresponsible. In in the World Ayahuasca Conference, we met a guy who he offers it uh, m- mixed with beer in his parents' basement, and he does it for the money. 
he, he admits he does it for the money with no training whatsoever. And if people go through a bad time, he tells them, uh, get a grip. It's not real. And he just kind of yells at them. And so we were absolutely horrified to hear this story. And so we, we talked, we, we kind of reported it to the, um, to ice years and to the, the branch that, that kind of, uh, deals with these kind of tricky situations. But that, so this is one of the reasons why I think it is beneficial to raise awareness about this and bring it, you know, bring it out into conversation so that there can be more education and, and it doesn't all happen in the shadows basically. And maybe, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to solve this problem, but I, I get an intuition that if this was more accepted societally, then this would this would happen less. Yes, that might be true. I'm also scared of it being accepted by society, and it becomes uh, synthesized and clinical. And I know, like, I'm one of the few people who have issue with Rick Strassman's DMT study, where they because they were like in a hospital kind of setting with a doctor and it was very s- clinical and s- I mean if I do those kind of things I go out into nature it's a completely different environment and I feel that uh, maybe the setting setting of if society gets hold of something it usually becomes quite you know bland you know what I mean yeah yeah um I don't know how to answer that it's it's tricky because, you know, we, we, we want, we want the mainstream to heal. Right. And we want to, we want to believe that there, that there's a way. And I, I think that as, as this is, as this is revealed uh, really how, how this all works. And as the people that are really knowledgeable about it, truly knowledgeable are able to take bigger and bigger stages and explain how this should be done. Um, I think it can, it can mitigate this because it's pretty obvious to anyone who's experienced with ayahuasca that the set and setting is everything, right? So, so it, to me, it's, it's just not sensible to, to do it in a laboratory setting. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to solve this, but I, 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 I hope that this can be shared with more people in the right way, basically. There's also the um, issue with um, the, the hippie movement way back. And uh, uh, also now they have this thing called Changa where it's more like a party drug, uh, DMT and weed, I guess it is. I'm not sure. And uh, or LSD where you take it at a party or like Burning Man is like a huge party. I haven't been there, so I can't really say. But from what I s- I've seen, it's more like a party setting it's ra- rather than if you know, if you've sat in a traditional ayahuasca ceremony, it's far from a party. It's, it's more like uh, more like being in a monastery <laughs> kind of thing, uh, uh, more ritualized or more quiet or more you're going more uh it's more private, not so like uh, you hanging with a group, listening to music and dancing. And uh, but you can't say either is right or wrong. But uh, I'm thinking this party culture thing 
because that's why psychedelics became illegal uh, is because of the the hippies were partying so much that maybe they cracked down on it which is understandable because if you have a society where there's no psychedelics and then suddenly LSD comes I mean people are I mean there's a natural reaction because the first time I I did it I reacted kind of that way like uh, I started telling everybody and then I um, realized that uh, maybe I should be quiet because (laughs) everybody's thinking I'm insane because nobody else was saying anything yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm not sure the answer to that. Like, we're also as, as part of this campaign, we have gotten some, some filmmakers involved, and we have a team of, of 20 people that are working on a documentary about plant medicine and about the, this campaign and some of the stories that are, that are uh, among the participants. And actually, they're, they were recently writing a chapter about, you know, the history of plant medicine and why it's illegal and stuff. And what what I heard from one of the experts on this is that these medicines became illegal because I think it was the DEA. They It was in their interest to make some more things illegal in order to get a larger budget from the government. So it was a kind of a money thing where, okay, let's make this, this, this illegal and then we have this huge budget to work with. So, so that's an, you know, an alternate theory on, on why it's illegal. But as far as the parting, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure about that because like, for example, in Brazil, right, they have a whole different, a whole different kind of, they have a syncretic, uh, religion, uh, a mix between Catholicism and ayahuasca and in many places it is more like a party because everyone is standing up, eyes open, dressed in white, singing songs, singing songs about love and supporting each other and growing spiritually and nature. And so it's it's got kind of that festive atmosphere. Of course, can't generalize because there's many different branches uh, throughout Brazil of, of different variations. But and for me personally, Alex, even even in the even in the traditional setting where everyone is sitting in the dark, I get such like a joy of of living and like a, a celebrate a feeling of celebration of that life as a celebration starts rising up within me, and I find it difficult to contain myself. I usually stand up and kind of dance around in my in my spots, but. For for me, in my personal opinion, Alex, I, one of the teachings of ayahuasca is that life is life is short and should be celebrated. At least with ayahuasca, I know if you have a really intense experience, then uh, somebody else like touching you or saying something, they might have a different experience. It could infect, you know. So that's why it's more of a safety concern, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a good point, and and I've. I've been to- I've been told by some different shamans to hey you know you need to be sensitive don't just dance around wildly and make crazy noises like stay in your spot and be sensitive and um and I think that's super super sensible and wise advice because it's so true the the sensibility you get is off the charts and you have to everyone has to work through their issues before they can before in my opinion before they can find that fountain of love and sunshine inside of them and and discover that 
that that there's there's a field of infinite love kind of beyond the the issues that you're struggling with. And I'm always amazed that people. I mean, I wanted to almost go to Brazil and try Santo Daime because I've never been able to stand uh, when I've drank ayahuasca. I mean, it's impossible to stand. So I'm uh, and I've been. I mean, I've seen people in circles I've sat in that they stood. So it wasn't that mine was stronger because I've seen other people stand on the same thing I drank, but I just can't stand for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very interested to experience it too. It just seems like a, a very interesting whole different approach and philosophy and I'd like to I'd like to experience it myself. So yeah, I've um, been thinking about it for uh, over a decade this issue regarding uh, should it be underground should it be stealth or should it be should everybody just do it or should we pour it in the water supply should everybody come out like i'm going back and forth that's why i'm saying all these things uh, uh, because i've been struggling with because i'm just nervous that it's kind of like you know like when a new rock band or something when they release their first album it's really great and then they, they become really popular and then they release their second album it's not so good and then they just downhill from there i'm just afraid that this is going to happen <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a very tricky philosophical question and so what w- what we've been trying to do in in how to how to structure this campaign is to basically we're not going to recommend it to anyone or tell anyone that they should do it or anything like that, but rather just tell your story of healing on February 20th. Just say the truth about what you experienced and say, thank you, plant medicine. And it's just a message, you know, from your heart about something true that happened for you. And maybe if there's someone going through a deep depression and is not seeing a way out, you know, this might give them a glimmer of hope of that there that there could be some kind of alternative medicine that could help them. And personally, I'm I'm a student of of yoga and of Eastern uh, Eastern philosophy, and uh, you know they have this this ancient framework for for living in the right way according to you know in a, in flow with the universe, which is called Dharma. And the Dharma has four different dimensions to it, which are truth, purity, nonviolence, and discipline. And when when you embrace all four of these, you can live to your full potential and live a beautiful life and just radiate love all around you. <laughs> and and so I so we're, this is like in my mind as I plan out this campaign and as I talk to different people about it. And so I, I, I really value truth. You know, I really value speaking the truth. I think it's a, it's a powerful thing. And if it's done with gentleness, you know, and love and sensitivity, which is, you know, nonviolence, um, if it's done in the right way of, you know, recommending if people ask you, you recommend to them the right way to do it, you know, the set, the setting, you know, doing a lot of research before finding a practitioner, you know, getting a lot of feedback, doing it in nature, doing it with an actual indigenous shaman, that would be like the purity. And then the discipline of like, 
I, I see it as like having the discipline to take care of yourself and to actually save up some money and invest in having this kind of experience, you know, for 10 days in, in South America. I think it's a, a gift to yourself. And so I think if we can express these four principles in the way that we organize the campaign, um, in the way that we communicate about it, I think we're we're protected by by a certain fundamental laws. <laughs> also, I think so- society in general need, needs to be re-educated regarding the concept of of bad trip because they often have the wrong idea about it. Whereas the bad trip are usually the good trips, and uh, uh, in terms of healing, because that's usually if if you if you never have a challenging experience then maybe um you haven't really got to the root of your issues oh absolutely yeah yeah and that's that's what that's what will be revealed when 100,000 people share their stories is that almost always it's the same pattern of you go through a very difficult time and then but you end up learning so very much about what are the the roots of of these issues that you carry with you, and th- this concept of trips I could talk about it all day because it's it's super interesting. But like, you know, people are so afraid of the bad trip, afraid of the bad trip, and they, they they're totally hesitant to do any psychedelic, but they don't realize that day after day the anxiety that they carry with them is that is a bad trip. Like they. When you're stuck in a routine and you're stuck in a, a way of living that's not healthy and where you're not feeling good, you're you're in a bad trip already. And this kind of uh, this kind of experience can can change your regular life into being into having a better trip in the way that you experience your your regular life, right? There's also another kind of fear, not the fear of maybe bad trip. But uh, in my own case, I'm kind of on a long, very long break because uh, it's not that I'm afraid to do it. Uh, it's just that uh, uh, I, I just can't do it anymore. It's uh, I've it's like, um, you know, like you go to you graduate from university. You don't start over and do it again. Uh, doesn't mean uh, I've. I'm not don't mean I'm I've graduated or finished with anything. It just means that like uh, it seems that every time I go back to those experiences in the 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 most recent times it's been like you know what are you doing here like and then I get a really bad experience or because it's um it's like uh, I should only come back when I've done what uh, they already they already told me to do, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, it's beautiful that you have that sensitivity to realize, like, you know, to realize that that there's a right timing to do it, and a kind of a feeling of being called to it, and that. Uh, yeah, it's it's also fantastic that this is a thing where you can just do it a few times, and it can have a lasting impact, and you don't necessarily have to do it again. And just like a good doctor is one that you see a couple times and then you don't need to see him again, right? So I think actually I, I blame LSD <clears throat> a lot on my reserve of doing any more psychedelics because I've 
done most of the plant medicines <clears throat> and um, uh, ayahuasca is the one I feel most connected to but uh, I did many of the other ones uh, out of curiosity to understand uh, and then finally I well I have to try LSD because it's you know it's LSD I, and, and uh, I didn't like it at all and it uh, the problem with it was that with all the other plant medicines uh, there was a voice or an intelligence or a being there somebody that wasn't me but with the LSD uh, there was nothing there it was just so empty and I don't know just freaked me out a bit it's like it was maybe it's my own mind who like even though it comes from ergot maybe you could say but it's kind of like it felt more plastic somehow <laughs> yeah I, I totally understand what, what you're saying and and it's it's interesting. We so we we put out a video calling for volunteers for our campaign, and we got where we have like 190 volunteers, and we asked people to fill out like an application, and kind of explaining you know why they want to be a part of this, and we got such a variety of stories. And what we what 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 seems to <laughs> the pattern seems to be that that everyone has their own medicine, kind of like some people tried everything and then they find ayahuasca and that's what finally really helps them other people they try ayahuasca they try this or that but then iboga is what really helps them other people it was the microdosing on lsd that that really made the difference or psilocybin so i think uh each person has to you have to have to have a sensitivity of what what feels good to you and what feels right and what feels healing because we we also all have completely different brain chemistries right yes that's true and i i uh, think the the plant medicine i have the most uh, respect for and the one i would probably think is the most healing is actually the iboga uh, it's really powerful uh, plant medicine and uh, you know ayahuasca is very good for improving your spiritual life and just your daily life and that uh, making yourself a better person but the iboga is is uh, it's more um, more physical medicine i mean it's just like it's almost like it resets your body so whatever addictions or issues you had before you just start from zero the next day you know or sometimes a week later because the come down is so long can be like a week or a few days uh, i i met one person who said it took him a year but uh, um, uh, and that's why I always get upset when I hear I hear all always hear about ibogaine, but the iboga is um, the pure wood form, and it should really it's a crime that it's not used, especially in America that have so much uh, addiction to uh, different substances that the iboga could basically just clean out yeah yeah absolutely um i haven't i haven't tried it myself but that seems to be <laughs> that seems to be what many of the top experts uh are saying is that iboga is really the most the most powerful one for especially for addicts and with studies with heroin addicts and like it's it's unbelievable the results they're getting and this is something i never heard about like until six months ago right like never in my life heard about it and i'm you know i have a, a degree in 
in science and pretty well read and it's just and yeah with so many addicts around the world unable to quit be- also because of the withdrawal and the withdrawal could could maybe kill them it's like i think this we need to start planting this much more and it just needs to be more more available to people and the we need to just honor these west african tribes uh, and work with them to to spread this around the world if if they're if they're interested if they're willing I, i'd like to see all these addicts uh, getting healed the interesting thing with the iboga is that because uh, when you any drug you're addicted to it takes a few days for it to leave your system so and that's why you can never stop being an addict because you after you know it takes it takes too many days so you can't resist doing it again to get rid of the annoying annoyance of not having it uh, but the iboga because uh, the come down is so long by the time the iboga is gone those days are past and then you're like free so uh, that's my that's how i uh, understand how it works and i haven't really i've only been addicted to small things you know like tobacco and those kind of things and um, that's it, it works perfectly but if you're addicted to something stronger i'm sh- sure it it's magical and um, i would never recommend iboga to somebody who just wants to uh, work spiritually like i mean i would i mean i can't say i mean I'm, there's many people who use it only spiritually but i just felt that ayahuasca for me anyway fits better if you want to work spiritually Whereas the iboga, it felt almost, it felt a bit like when I, because I went down to Gabon and did it with the Bewiti. And it felt a bit after I did it like uh, that I did something that somebody else should have done more. I didn't really need it as much as, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't that sick in that sense. Uh, Only sick like mentally, you know, from living in society. But to get back to another thing I said uh, that's contradictory now where we're talking about parties, when you uh, do the iboga, you know, the person who does the iboga, uh, very different from uh, in the Amazon, uh, there's like many, many people who are singing and dancing and playing traditional instruments. So it's like you're doing the iboga in the middle of a party but you're the only one doing, I mean, they all take a spoon or something, but they're not really doing it that much. But you, the initiate takes a lot. So there's, you know, there's a lot of noise. Um, uh, so it is a bit, dip- it's more, it's Africa, you know, it's like, it's more chaos. So that's a bit of a contradiction because they do it in a party setting, but it's not a party. They're all dancing because you are getting healed, you know, so it's there. Everybody's focusing their energy on you, uh, so I guess it's a bit different, but still. <laughs> That's interesting, and it's probably because of the African influence in Brazil that that they uh, that the Santo Daime <laughs> has this festive spirit, right? Because it's 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 a uh, part of the African culture. I would I would suppose. I always quote my wife because she she went with me and did it, and she said it was the best the iboga was the best thing she ever did. But she would never recommend it to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so she 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 took the iboga with you? Uh, no, uh, on s- one week later. I mean the the ceremony took a week, so it's like 
four or five days preparation then you do it and then there's uh, it took me three days to come back and then she began her five days preparation and so it, it was quite a long time in between um, and I'm happy we we didn't do it at the same time it was better that uh, it was separate it's a very different uh, uh, ritual than the uh, ayahuasca one I would say but if you're interested in indigenous uh, culture and experience, then uh, um, which is the main reason why I went down there to do it, uh, then I recommend it. But uh, um, I was I booked a flight out of Gabon maybe two weeks too soon. Like if I would go again, I would make sure if. Uh, January 1st was the day my ceremony was then I would book my flight home in March you know <laughs> <laughs> Cool well it sounds like yeah very interesting experience I'm not sure I'm ready for it personally but maybe one day <laughs> How did you discover ayahuasca yourself did you just stumble on it or did you feel a calling somehow Well it's interesting Alex um over the past five years, I've been I, I've been working on a project called Karma Tribe. So I basically I created a website, uh, which like a social network through which people could help each other. That you could offer uh, free services, request free services, and you know if I help you uh, learn French, then you leave a comment on on my profile saying, Ah, Dave helped me learn French. He's a great guy, and so you. You build up a, a reputation and you climb the karmic ladder as you get good vibes points and you help help people and so so I was dedicated to this project over for for a five year period. It was like a, a startup that I that I that I did uh, just for you know humanitarian purposes and never never figured out how to make any money from it. Uh, it grew to be in in sixty three countries, uh, thousands of people using it, but. Eventually, I was I was bankrupt, and a hacker uh, started, uh, you know, emailing all my users, and I couldn't afford, you know, my programmer anymore. So, anyways, I had to close it down in January. So, after five years of just this roller coaster of of this with this project, where I was helping all these people and doing a Facebook Live show and um, participating in startup competitions and uh, just a whirlwind of, of, of activity and good vibes to have to close this down, Alex was so sad and so depressing for me. And I felt like I was cutting off my left arm. And so it, I kind of spontaneously made the decision. And in January, like January 1st or something, I closed the site down. And, uh, and then suddenly I had all this space in my life because I was working on it, you know, always around the clock. And I really was not sure what was next for me. And I was actually went through some two weeks of intense depression, which is quite rare for me. And then a close friend who whom I trust, John, the guy that I'm doing this campaign with, he said, why don't you come to this ayahuasca ceremony? Uh, I think... Think you'll? I think this will be good for you. And I said, you know what? I trust you. Let's go. And in the ceremony, 
I had uh, an amazing experience of – so my question that I asked, my, my intention was what can I do to spread love and compassion and kindness and collaboration throughout Costa Rica? Because I thought that I was doing it, but the, my but my project died, and I was just wondering, like, what is my role? You know, what what can what can I do to make this world a better place? So I asked this, and in the ceremony, I got an answer which was so clear to me, which was, you have so much light and love inside of you, and you need to step it up, and you need to not be afraid of what people think. You need to be a leader, and you need to just follow your heart and. Start, make things happen and not let your fears, you know, limit you anymore. And, and I literally felt like a kind of like infinite love and light like inside of myself. And I started believing in myself in a whole new way. It's it's weird. It's hard to explain. But for example, I had been giving uh, a talk every year at the, at this Envision Festival about the power of generosity and about living life to your full potential. And in February, a month after this ceremony, I gave the talk again, but this time it was completely different. I was not nervous or had zero anxiety leading up to it. I connected to really what, you know, what did I really want to say? Why was I giving this talk? You know, what is it that I really wanted to say? I connected to the essence of what my talk was about. I just remembered the three key points of my talk and I just went for it and it was the kind of talk where the entire audience was like leaning forward and paying attention and like actively engaged and putting up their hands and everyone participating and it was just on a whole other level than any other talk that I had given like and so for me it was a complete a complete game changer because a new a new confidence was born in myself that that I had what it takes to, to be a to be a speaker and to to be a leader, and up until then I had I had somewhat doubted it. I had I didn't really believe in myself. And fast forward six months after that, we we come up with this idea in a conversation with Rick Doblin. I have the courage to raise my hand and suggest it to Rick Doblin. He says it's a great idea. We, we go down to the main hall. It's the last talk before the closing ceremony of the World Ayahuasca Conference. Uh, and the talk is about ayahuasca and the future of society. One guy is saying that we need to, we need to be humble and accept the teachings. And another person is saying we need to be patient and we need to integrate and we need to collaborate. And another person is saying until the noose of capitalism is off of our necks, then nothing will be solved. But I was just looking at this and being like, there's no, there's no practical steps here. There's no actions that we can actually take as a community to, to start healing the world. So I was kind of like, so I turned, so then they said, if anyone has a question, we have 10 more minutes to answer questions before the closing ceremony. So I turned to my friend John and I said, you know what, John, this is a good chance for me to go down and present this, this idea of the campaign. And he said, go for it. Go, 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 go. And I was like, all right. And Alex, I swear to you, 
like before discovering ayahuasca, I would have talked myself out of it. I would have said, no, it's not the right time. And no, I shouldn't do this. And no, there's a thousand people in this auditorium who have much more experience than me. And these are all doctors and shamans and stuff. I'm not going to do it. But there was that little switch of just saying, trust yourself, go for it. And so I went down in front of a thousand people and I grabbed the microphone and I said, this question is for all of you. And I turned to the audience and I suggested the, the idea for the, this campaign. And I said, I'll be here for the next 10 minutes. If anyone wants to give me their contact information, if anyone wants to be part of this, uh, I'd love for you to be a part of it. And then got a big applause. And then 40 people started coming down the, through the audience and giving me their business cards and wow, brother, such a great idea. Yeah. And I've been wanting to come out about this for a long time and thank you. And my organization is behind you and people throwing business cards from the upper balconies. And so that's how it all started. It, and that's how so many things can start with, with believing in yourself. And that was what my first ceremony gave me. And since then, I've done a dozen other ceremonies, and every time I'm having huge realizations about childhood traumas or just these stories I have in my mind that are limiting me in different ways. And so it's been it's been a fantastic journey. Great, uh, I uh, recognize it myself. Ayahuasca has told me many times, uh, just do it. Regarding any thing i've been thinking about should i do this or should i not it usually goes yeah just do it just do it so i do so i usually uh, say that uh, most things in my life now is just because the ayahuasca told me to do it so i mean uh, this podcast uh, did my day job uh, my child uh, family all of that is the ayahuasca told me to do it uh, so like <laughs> i'm not really my uh, nothing I've done I've done it but I mean it's, it's it, I'm, I'm just following orders as I, I usually say <laughs> <laughs> well I think the order is probably trust yourself Alex like you know what you need to do you know like these are I don't know I think probably these are things you had in your heart already if you take the podcast as an example like before I would have like made a few podcast episodes and then I would have listened to them and then I would have re-edited them and then ah they're not good enough and then but when they was told me to do that I just made the episodes and just released them and didn't even listen to them like I mean like I didn't I, I used to do more of that like or if you know you make something create because I do a lot of creative stuff if I do something creative I keep it a secret because it's maybe it's not good ah it's not good enough I'm so but I've completely changed on that and it's just I just make it and throw it on the internet and then I don't care if people like it or not you know Alex it's fantastic what you're doing uh your podcast is so beautiful and good for you good for you and there's probably a lot of people that listen to it that don't necessarily say anything to you or, you, you know, you never hear from them, but don't underestimate the impact that you're having with, with this and with creating these conversations. And, and yeah, it's, I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful work that you're doing. So thank you very much. Thanks. Uh, can you repeat uh, about this campaign, the hashtag, the date and what people sh- can do or should do to not, not forget it and all that? Absolutely. So the campaign is on February 20th, 2020, to share your story of healing with plant medicine using the hashtag thank you plant medicine. And 
if you want to get involved and you know keep just join the community where we're all strategizing and talking about this and meeting like-minded plant medicine lovers we have a group on facebook called the thank you plant medicine community and we also have the our page thank you plant medicine and if you start talking with our page uh, we we have it set up so you'll immediately be given a bunch of information about the campaign and if you want to become a volunteer and actually help us build this we're, we're really having a lot of fun uh, in that process so just just search on Facebook and you'll and you'll find us and then uh, and then you'll be a part of it for example if you start a conversation with our thank you plant medicine Facebook page then you will be added to our to our list. Uh, with our, we have a Facebook Messenger bot. So then, you know, a month before, two weeks before, a few days before, you'll receive a, a few reminders about it. So that's the simplest way, actually. Well, uh, I'll uh, also remind people in the future episodes as well. And uh, thank you a lot for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Alex. It's been a real enjoyable conversation, and uh, you've been asking me. Uh, Great uh, thought-provoking questions, so thank you very much for having me. On the 20th of February 2020, tens of thousands of people will come out on social media worldwide with their stories of personal transformation using the hashtag ThankYouPlantMedicine. Go to facebook.com forward slash ThankYouPlantMedicine or ThankYouPlantMedicine.com to find out more. Remember, February 20th, 2020, hashtag thank you plant medicine. Please follow the podcast in social media, leave a nice review on iTunes and consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com forward slash naturalbornalchemist. I'm going to close with a little remix I did of some song elements from Diana Ross, Tengri and some Shipibo Shaman, followed by Guadala Yara Joe featuring trailer trash Tammy singing the song Legalize Psilocybin. If you are here next week, I'll make sure I will be here as well. So see you then. Freedom is in the mind. Psilocybin If we don't, we ain't surviving Surviving Who needs invention? When you can enter dimensions That's right Legalize those magic mushrooms Magic mushrooms 
Time to call out that elephant in the room. Yeah, baby. They dissolve the ego, ego. making us all amigos. Mm-hmm. Legalize the food of the gods. If we do, the future will apply. Everybody clap your hands. Let's get rid of addiction. That's right. Turning them into fiction. Mm-hmm. Legalize psilocybin. Psilocybin. Realize I ain't jiving. He ain't jiving. No Let's time. all trip out. Oh yeah. And dance. Mm-hmm. And make romance. I have no idea. I am tripping. Who even needs pants when you stare at the ants? That's right. Legalize psilocybin. Psilocybin. Realize I ain't jiving. I ain't jiving. It's time to trip out. I'm already there. Because <laughs> that's what life is all about. That's the truth. So when you're ready, eat them. Just like I did. Then twist and shout. I would suggest in a natural setting. Man, I feel so good right now. I just feel like I could grow wings and fly up in the sky like the birds. I'm so thankful. I'm just going to go call my family and tell them I love them. Tell them I love them. Hey, call your family. Don't call your family.